How's everybody doing this morning? Did you have a great Thanksgiving? Man, I'm telling you right now, I'm still full. Oh my gosh. I had a great weekend with my family and um, enjoyed that time. I want to thank everyone who came out this past uh, Thursday on Thanksgiving Day to help serve the community with Feed the Need. It was a great day. I want to give everyone, give yourselves an applause for that. Man, fantastic. Uh, Pastor Jimmy, him and his family is on vacation. They're, um, they're spending some time away for a much-needed time of resting and relaxation. So pray that they have a, um, a good time and be able to unwind and enjoy time with, uh, with each other. But last week or a few weeks ago, Jimmy kicked off uh, uh, Joseph, the life story of Joseph, life lessons that we can learn from Joseph. And this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I love the life of Joseph. He becomes a patriarch for the Jews and for the lineage of Christianity and stuff. He has an important role to play, you know, in the heritage of the Jews. And so I love the story of Joseph on what he was and what he became. And the thing is about Joseph, you know, he was the youngest son of 12. And the thing was, he didn't realize that he might have been oblivious to it, but he didn't realize he was the favorite of the 12. You know, he... um, he, Jacob, his dad, had several wives, but his favorite wife was Rachel. And she gave him uh, the favorite son, Joseph. Now, how many of you in here have brothers and sisters? You got brothers and sisters, siblings? I have uh, two brothers, Bobby, he's back there. Uh, he's 15 months younger than me. And Dwayne is 11 months younger than Bobby. So I have two brothers, and my mom decided to have us all boom, 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 all together to get it over with and stuff. But I could not imagine bowing down to my brothers. We always thought, oh, yeah, Bobby's the favorite or Dwayne's the favorite. You know, you, you're never the favorite. It's always the other one who's getting the attention, right? And so with the, with the story of Joseph and his family, you know, Joseph, with his 11 other brothers and sisters, they had, or brothers, they, he had to work out in the fields. They had to stay in the bunkhouse. They had to, uh, you know, all live together. Where Joseph, you know, he stayed in the penthouse with a king-sized bed. He stayed inside the house while the brothers were out in the field working. And he didn't realize that he was the favorite child. He didn't realize that, that he was getting all these things while his brothers were out there doing the hard labor. And I would struggle with that if I was doing all the work and, and one of my brothers was in the house. It was very frustrating. And then to top it off, everywhere that Joseph would go, he'd hear this song. Go, go, Joseph, you know what they say. Go, go, Joseph, you'll make it someday. Y'all don't pay attention to Broadway plays. That's from Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Y'all not cultured in here? Listen, I love that stuff. I get into that. But it's, it's a story about Joseph. It's a Broadway play about Joseph, the disco music and stuff. But you see the animosity that's there between Joseph and his brothers on how Joseph would, um, would, would tell his brothers these dreams and say, Hey, listen, I, uh, I had this dream. I dreamed that I was sheaves of wheat, that we're all were sheaves of wheat. And I was in the middle, and, and all y'all were around me, and y'all were bowing down and worshiping me. Who would worship their brother and sister and bow down to him? Would you? I wouldn't. No way. And so that just, oh, just made me frustrated. Well, then he has this another dream. Hey, uh, hey, listen, brothers, mom and dad, I had this another dream, and, and I dreamed that, that we were the stars, and mom and dad, you were the moon and the sun, and, and that y'all all bowed down and, and worshiped me. Oh, another thing that would just make me angry, would make me frustrated. 
I would not bow down and worship my brother. I would pound on him, but I wouldn't worship him. And so that's very frustrating. That would be very frustrating to me. And cause, so you could imagine the feelings that were building up inside the brothers. And these feelings would last for years and years to come. These feelings would last for generations that, you know, that were starting there in their life. And the thing is, Joseph didn't see it coming. He didn't realize that the worst day of his life was about ready to take place. He got up in the morning to get ready to go do his normal day activities. And he didn't get up and say, oh, man, this is going to be the worst day of my life. Oh, I want to be in a pit today. Oh, no, he didn't see it coming. He got up. His dad, Jacob, said, hey, Joseph, go check on your brothers while they're working out in the fields. You know, watching the sheep. They're about 60 miles away. Here, take this some food to your brothers. So he went to go check on his brothers. And it says, while the brothers saw him coming, they made a plot. And let's look in uh, Genesis 37, 23 through 24. You've got sermon notes inside your bulletin. Also, the scripture will be up on the screen. So when Joseph arrived, they pulled off his beautiful robe and threw him into the pit. So when the traders came by, his brothers pulled him out of the pit and sold him for 20 pieces of silver. And the Ishmaelite traders took him along to Egypt. Here's what they did. They took Joseph's robe. They tore it into pieces. They killed a goat and they dipped it in its blood. They took it back to his dad and said, Joseph is dead. Joseph's at the bottom of this pit. He's there all along, and he's stuck. And they take this this garment back to, to Jacob and say, hey, Joseph is dead. So with that, the blood all over it, there's no hope of going to look for him because he's been devoured by wild animals. He's gone, so there's no hope, no reason to send out anybody looking for him. Because he's dead. No hope at all for Joseph. In the bottom of this pit, he is stuck. And you know, at some point in your life, you are going to be in the bottom of a pit. You are going to be stuck. You're going to have all your security, all your hope, all your stability jerked out from under you. And you'll be stuck in a pit, at the bottom of a pit. You'll get depressed. You may lose your financial situation. You may lose your home. Someone you love may have walked out on you and you thought you'd be together forever. You may lose your child, lose your marriage. But the biggest thing that I love this story with Joseph's life, it's a turnaround story. You know, Joseph's life didn't end in the pit. It turned around. But he experienced life in the pit. I want to ask you to think about a situation, a pit that you've been in. Think about the worst day of your life. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe you're about to lose your house. Maybe your marriage is over. Maybe there's just no hope for you. The thing about the pit, we never get out of it quickly. We never get out of the pit quickly. It may be days or weeks or months or years that we're stuck in the pit. And it's hard 
It is hard to be in the pit. And so what we can learn with Joseph is, is how do we get out of the pit? Maybe your pit is something like me and my family experienced. On January the 9th of this year, you know, my dad went in for a routine neck surgery. That was supposed to be overnight, stay in the hospital and go home. While he was coming out of the anesthesia, he had a stroke. And so that overnight stay in the hospital turned into two weeks in ICU. Losing the ability to swallow and could barely talk or communicate. Then he goes to two weeks in rehab and therapy. Then he comes home, suffers another stroke, loses the ability to speak altogether. Can't swallow. His health goes downhill. That's hard. When you see your dad who's been on his own his whole life, someone who's been a strong man, whose health is going downhill. Then in September, getting an official diagnosis of ALS. That's a terminal diagnosis. There's no hope with ALS. What ALS does, it paralyzes your muscles to where you can no longer have control of your body. We go into the hospital in October, and things go downhill quick. My family having to make some hard choices, shedding a lot of tears. That's hard. Then it leads up to the worst day of our life. October 17th, Saturday, 4.55, my dad passes. The hardest day of my life. Incredibly difficult. And you know how that feels. Some of you experienced the loss of a loved one like that. And it takes everything in you to want to move forward. It takes everything in you wanting to get out of bed. And you only function out of necessity because you have to. Not because you want to. Because all you want to do is hide. You just want some peace. That's a pit. That's a pit my family and I have been in. So how do you get out of that pit? How do you get and move forward from the worst day of your life? We see a characteristic of Joseph, and that's in your notes. He had perseverance. Joseph had perseverance. So that's a characteristic that we all need to have and to to apply to our life. That's something that I had to do. I had to persevere. I had to move on. I had to understand that God was going to help me. And the thing about the pit, you never get over it quickly. You never move out of the pit quickly. You know, sometimes it's days. Sometimes it's months. But the pit, you rarely get out of it quickly. Your grief won't stop today. You might not find that job until months from now. The money won't be coming in all of a sudden. Your hope is, is still, still gone. But persevere. Don't do anything foolish. Joseph persevered. And the thing about with Joseph's life, you know, he got out of the pit. But when he got out of the pit, he didn't rise to the top all of a sudden. When he got out of the pit, he was a slave. Then 
he was in prison again. And then he made it to the top. But it didn't happen quickly in Joseph's life. It took time in his life to make it through, to get out of that pit. And it will take time for us to make it out of that pit. Joseph understood that he was in the pit. And so he put his hope and his trust in God to help them with that pit. So how do you get out of the pit? How do you persevere in the pit? Number one in your notes, admit. Admit you're in a pit. Admit I am in a pit. Joseph was thrown into a literal pit, and there was no doubt that he was stuck. There is no doubt that he was in a bad situation. In Genesis 37, 23, so when Joseph arrived, they threw him into the pit. You know, maybe, maybe you've not been in a literal pit, but maybe you've been in an emotional pit or a hard pit or, or something that's been difficult in your life. Maybe the worst day in your life is something other than you know, being thrown into the pit. But the thing that we can learn is to persevere, that the pit will come to an end. But we need to have a right perspective of the pit. We need to understand that you're in the pit. There's a general or an admiral named James Stockdale. He was in a POW camp from, uh, for, in Vietnam for seven and a half years. He was a prisoner of war for seven and a half years. And they put him, he was stuck in this pit. And Stockdale goes on to talk. There are three kinds of people that, that are in this pit. There were ones who have no hope. Once they get into the pit, they're stuck. They realize that there's no way out. There's no hope. They're not going to survive. And so they're the ones that die first. Then there are another type of people, the second group of people, who didn't have realistic expectations. They were the, the optimists. They were in denial. And they were the ones that were like, okay, we're going to get out by Christmas. We're getting out by Christmas. Yeah, we're getting out by Christmas. Christmas comes. Christmas go. Christmas comes again. They're still a prisoner of war. And they die. And then Stockdale goes on to say that there's another group of people that me and, and several of the survivors that we understood, man, we are stuck. We are in this pit. We know that we're not getting out by Christmas. We know it will be years before we get out here, but we know that we will get out. He, they had a realistic expectation. They knew that they were in a pit. They knew it was going to be a long pit, but they knew that one day they would get out. And him and those guys were the ones that survived. The situation is bad. It's not getting better. We're not going to get out anytime soon, but we will get out. And the same is true for you. Whatever pit that you find yourself in right now, it's a hard situation. It's hard decisions. It's hard things that you've got to make. And the thing is, don't pretend that it's just a small hole because it's not. Don't pretend, oh, well, the divorce is better for both of us. Uh, it is better for, for, for us. The, 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 uh, the credit card, the student loans, uh, they're not that bad. Uh, you know, I, I really didn't want that job anyway. Uh, you know, it, it, I, I really, I, I, I'm over it. I, I'm over it. Don't. Denial will only make the pit get deeper and last longer. So understand that you're in a pit. Understand that you are in a pit. And that the only way out is with God. The only way out is to have hope. And that you're in this pit for the long haul. Psalm 86.1 says, Bend down, O Lord, and hear my prayer. Answer me, for I need your help. 
Admit that you're in a pit. Number two, acknowledge my responsibility. Acknowledge my responsibility. So first you say, why am I in this pit? Or that am I in a pit? Admit that you're in a pit. Then second, acknowledge your responsibility. You know, sometimes you get in a pit because of choices that you make. You know, if you're honest, you know, about the predicament that you're in, you could understand, you know, why did I get in this pit? You know, sometimes there's nothing that you could do about it. With my family, with my dad, there was nothing that we could do about the pit. It happened. It was a part of life. But sometimes the pit happens because of decisions that we make. Like with Joseph. You know, Joseph, when he was thrown in the pit, it was unfair. You know, he shouldn't have been like that. But, you know, think about the animosity that can build up in your brother's lives when it was lorded over you day after day after day. Think about what jealousy can do in someone's heart and life. Think about what aggravation and tension can do in your life. Here's what it did. Let's look at Genesis 37 and 8. Joseph's brothers responded to him in his dreams. So you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way that he talked about them. Now here's the thing. They felt Joseph was being arrogant, lording it over them. Hey, listen. Hey, brothers, you're going to bow down to me. Mom and Dad, you're going to bow down to me. Now, if I told that to my parents, I would have had an attitude adjustment quickly. Like that. That was good parenting. But just think about the animosity that was building up year after year. So Joseph had a part to play in him being thrown into the pit. But what happens is later on in his life, he learns from that. Later on in his life, when his brothers and his parents actually do come bow down into him, he was very humbled by it, and he forgave them. So there will be times when, when the pit will, could make you, could, uh, could just work on you, and Joseph didn't let that happen. Another thing that Joseph didn't do is do the blame game, or blame somebody else, or, or say it's somebody else's fault that I'm in this pit. You know, he took responsibility for it. You know, too many times in our lives, I think we're too quick to blame somebody else. We get offended too easy. Or it's somebody else's fault, somebody else's responsibility, that it actually is my responsibility. You'll never get out of the pit when it's always somebody else's fault. You'll always be in the pit. Number three, accept help from others. Accept help from others. Now, I know it's difficult for me at times to ask for help. You know, I want to do things on my own. I want to get frustrated on my own, too, you know, trying to figure these things out. And I'll just quit and stop. But accept help from others. And here's the thing in Joseph's life. He had an ally. His brother Reuben cared for him. It didn't want anything bad to happen to him. So it was Reuben's idea to throw Joseph into the pit. And then Reuben was going to come back and sneak to the pit to get Joseph out. But in Genesis 37, 22, Reuben was secretly planning to help Joseph escape. And then he would bring him back to his father. So you see, it was Reuben that was doing everything he can to help his brother. But his other brother sold him without him knowing, without him being involved in the conversation, or, or just went ahead and did it. And then Reuben's heart was broken when he went and saw that Joseph was gone. Who do you have in your life that can come and help you in your hard times? Who do you have in your life that can come and minister to you when you're in the pit? 
or the worst day of your life. Do you have those type of relationships? You know, Rocky River Church, we want this to be a place where you can come and grow spiritually and build relationships with other people to, so that when you're in those worst moments of your life, that we can come together and love on you and help you. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, Two people can accomplish more than twice as much as one. They get a better return for their labor. If one person falls, the other can reach and help. But people who are all alone, are they the one in real trouble? Here's the thing. It was amazing, the love and the support that you guys showed to my family. It was incredible. You know, there's something about um, going to a pit that makes you feel lonely, that makes you feel separated, that makes things hard. But man, when you guys just came and gave us food and the phone calls and the text and the love and the support, man, it just, it just made us feel loved and cared for. The same with my mom's church. It was incredible. Being part of a family is important. Being part of the body of Christ is important. That's what we do for each other. Well, I, I, I don't need a relationships right now. I'm fine. Here's the thing. Relationships are built in good times so that when bad times happen, you have those relationships. So you have those relationships. Here at Rocky River Church, ways to get involved is, is you know, come to church. Come to church. Get to know people. Also, volunteer at one of our ministry teams. Get to know people. Build relationships with people. Because we want to come in and help you and support you to help you in those hard times. It's incredible what relationships can do in hard times. Number four, allow God to grow my character. I allow God to grow my character. With Joseph, it talks about what Satan meant for evil, God turned it for good. You know, Joseph understood that God was there with him all the time. He understood that God was with him. And it's hard. I know, but David writes in Psalm, Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not walk. When I walk through the valley of shadow of death, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God is with you. He is there helping you in that pain. But that pain is not going to quickly turn around. That pain will be there, and God wants to use that pain for something good in your life. He wants to develop your character. He wants to grow you as a person. It is hard to see that when you're in the bottom of the pit. But God wants to use that pain in your life for something better for you, to grow you. In Genesis 39.2, it says, The Lord was with Joseph and blessed him greatly as he served in the home of the Egyptian master. Here's what happens when you're in the pit. One of two things. Either you get bitter or you get better. Either you focus on yourself and try to do everything on your own, trying to think that you could get out of the pit, then you get frustrated and you can't, and you get bitter. Or you turn to God, understand that you need His help, you have hope, you have perseverance in your life, you believe that God's going to get you out of the pit, and you become better. And then eventually God can use that in your, in your life to help you grow and maybe minister to other people. Second Corinthians, it says, 4.17, For your present troubles are quite small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us immeasurable great joy that will last 
forever. Who else to minister to someone who has lost a loved one than someone who's lost a loved one? Who else to minister to someone who's lost a child than someone who's lost a child? Who else to minister to someone about financial situations than someone who's lost financial situations and made it back to the top? Someone I think of is Dave Ramsey. I enjoy reading, Dave, reading his stuff and listening to him. But Dave Ramsey's a Christian financial guy, and he lost it all. He had it all, and he lost it all. And he got it back. He's, and he helps other people who are going through the same thing. Who else to help? And then those people who's experienced the same thing. God can use that for good. What the devil meant for evil, to destroy your life, God can turn that around and use it for good. And then my last point, number five. Always trust God in the pit. Always trust God in the pit. It's hard. I know it's hard. And as the band comes forward, I want to share with you, you know, in my life, this Psalm 42, it says, He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and out of the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walk along. You know, the pit's tough. When you're at the bottom of the pit, there's only one way to look, and that is up. There's only one thing to do, and that is to trust God. You know, the pit may last days. It may last a while in your life. And the pit can wear you out. But God is there to help you when you're in the pit. You know, when my family and I, when we were in the pit, I didn't understand it. I struggled with it. We all struggle with it. You know, and in the 10 months, I questioned, you know, God, where are you? And I knew that he could heal my dad. I knew he could. And so I was struggling, God, what is going on? And someone told me during the summer, they said, don't focus on the healing. Focus on God. Focus on his blessings. Focus on his glory. I'm telling you, that wasn't easy. That was hard. But what we got to do as a family with my dad is we got to be there with him. We got to pray with him. We got to hold his hand. We got to experience the peace. That was so encouraging, but it was so hard at the same time. We had a friend a few weeks ago before this, what happened with my dad. Her dad was killed tragically in a car wreck. Who didn't get that chance or that opportunity. And so I'm focusing that we got the opportunity and the blessing to have that last moment. Where his family was with my dad. 
near the pit that you're in, God can help you with that peace. That doesn't mean the storm's going to stop, but He can help you with that peace. Today, if you don't have Jesus in your life, you don't have the hope. Today, I pray that you ask Jesus into your life so you can have hope and the ability to persevere through the pit. Keep the pit in perspective. That's what a relationship with Jesus will do. Keep the pit in perspective. Because it will end. You will get out of the pit. But if you don't have Jesus into your heart, you really have no hope. Because when this life ends, your hope is gone. So if you've not asked Jesus into your life, on your connection card, I want to give you the opportunity to do that the connection card that Jason spoke earlier, pull it out. Give us your contact information. And I put a big B on there. That stands for believe. You want to believe in Jesus. I'll call and follow up with you tomorrow or Tuesday. Not to harass you, but to pray with you and to help you. Maybe you're just in a pit right now. You love Jesus. You've loved him all your life. But man, you just want some help and some love and some peace and some comfort. On that same connection card, put pit, P-I-T. Write it big and bold so I can see it. Because you're in a big, bold pit. And we'll call and pray with you and follow up with you and see what we can do to help you. Because that's what we as a church do. The body of Christ what we do for each other. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much. You promised to be with us no matter what circumstance we're going through in our life. Whether we're in the bottom of the pit and there's nothing there, or we're excited to have the most glorious time of our life, the best day of our life, you were there with us in all situations. But God, I pray, if there's someone in here that does not have a relationship with you and don't see any hope in their life, I pray today will be a new day where they receive you and and have hope. I pray for those who have been in the pit for a long time that already know you. I pray today will be an encouragement for them. That you just bring people around them to love on them and care for them. Father, I pray that you give us opportunities to bless other people as your body. So that we can give hope. I thank you for that hope. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's all stand.